you'd like to follow along with my reading, I'll be in reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And this will be the last in this short series of looking at Paul and the law. And uh, I'd like to end with this uh, passage and speaking of, of Paul and his relationship to the law, using the law as wisdom. Uh, Paul not jettisoning the law, but looking at it as wisdom and instruction for the people of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and ate, all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them God was not well pleased, for they were laid low in the wilderness. Now these things happened as examples for us that we should not crave evil things as they also craved. And do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. Nor let us act immorally as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us try the Lord as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example. And they were written for our instruction, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Let us pray. Our Father, we, we do cry with the angels, holy, 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 that you would reveal yourself to us more fully, that you would cause us to worship you more fully as well, that we might know you better, that we might give you all honor and praise and glory in our lives. And we do ask, Father, that you would instruct us and teach us, help us to understand these things that we may walk in them, again, to please you, that you would build up your church for your glory and honor. In Christ's name we pray, amen. The law is based upon fact. God is a law-giving God. But in his law-giving, he reveals himself at, that he alone is our creator and sustainer. But also, he alone is our redeemer. The, the law is a basis for the moral order of man, as well as us to see the beauty and the order of God as creator. But it is that moral order and instruction for living how the people of God are to conduct themselves. But again, the, the law also has that curse, as we see from Paul's writings in Galatians. But he alone, God alone, is our Redeemer who saves us from the curse of the law, but not only from its curse, but to righteousness, for righteous living, for his glory. And I believe that it is true that Paul uses the law as wisdom and instruction for living. It's hard to read these 12 verses in 1 Corinthians 10 and somehow, as we heard in Sunday school this morning, that we don't need the Old Testament. 
How do you, I mean, we sang even of, of Sodom in one of the hymns. How, how do you know what that is? How do you understand that they were under Moses, uh, baptized with Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and the spiritual food and drink and the, the rock in the wilderness? All of these things come, of course, from the Pentateuch, from the Torah. But Paul uses the law as wisdom and instruction, as he says in this passage, they were written for our instruction. We have a few things that we can see consistently in Paul that, that, that not only hint, but it help us understand that, that Paul was not one of those who jettisoned the Old Testament and, and he did not jettison the law. And he, he quite often uses the phrase, well, what does Scripture say? And he will go back and, and see as we, he's tied in here into Exodus uh, in verse 7. The people who sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. He, he's referencing the, the Pentateuch there, using that phrase. What, what does scripture say? Uh, bringing our attention back to it. The scriptures were his moral compass. He, he's, he's tuned in to the scriptures. He also uses the narratives. Not just the, the law, and again, as I say, the, you can't tie the Torah to, to one genre. It is not just law. There is poetry, there is the narratives, and Paul uses the narratives to, to build up the believing community. That's what he's doing here. He says, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren. Look back. The, the, they were written as an example for us. They, they were recorded. Yes, there were things God was dealing with with the people at that time, but they were written down by Moses so that we would have them for our own instruction. He speaks of Abraham and of the prophecies of Isaiah that look back at those things to explain God's design to redeem his people uh, for himself. But also he, he takes us back to, to look at Abraham and the patriarchs so that it would bring glory to God. Uh, we would see God's purposes. Why is God doing these things? Looking at the redemptive history. The examples in the Old Testament that, that Paul looks at are, are paradigms, I think, for New Testament believers. Again, here in 1 Corinthians 10, uh, the, the sin of the, the golden calf uh, becomes here a warning against Christians, believers, and idolatry. Having those, again, those thoughts about God that are not worthy of him. Thoughts about God that I, I do not need you. I, or I, I, can, I can manipulate you. I can tell God what I want him to do. The wilderness complaints. We, you, the, the hint here is um, they, they, they were complaining against the Lord, let us not, nor let us try the Lord as some of them did. And they were destroyed. He uses those as those wilderness complaints to help us understand that there is a warning. We are not to put our Lord Jesus Christ to the test. In 2 Corinthians 8, we have other mention of these things. The experience of gathering the manna in the wilderness. He, he says, he who gathered much did not have too much. And he who gathered little had no lack. God's provision for them. This is what he provided 
But in 2 Corinthians 8, he uses that passage that as an opportunity to encourage believers to give to the needs of other believers. Paul, again, he's not jettisoned the law and the narratives of the Torah, but he's using them as instruction and warning for believers. But what is the connection between the law and wisdom? Well, I think Deuteronomy helps us with that. The, the nation of Israel, as, as you know, was not picked because it was of great size. It wasn't picked because it had the most powerful military. It was not picked because it was wealthy. But in Deuteronomy 4, we read, of, again, of the law that God gave through Moses, so keep them and do them, for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. It's for God's glory, but it is also for the people. This is your wisdom. This is your understanding of who I am, what I've done for you, and selected you not because you were great and mighty and all of these things, but because God put his name on his people as his chosen. Even with the aid of the Psalms, we can understand the law in the Torah. We, we see a clear connection between the, the creation and moral order. The order of God in creation and the order that men ought to walk. In Psalm 86, he, he reminds us, there is none like thee among the gods. That's reflecting the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. He says, there is none like thee among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like thine. He's, he's looking at God and saying, you alone are the creator, but you alone are our sustainer. There is none that has works like you, but where do those things come from? What is their root? They're in the first five books of Moses. All of those thoughts are in the commandments, and we learn about God there. In Psalm 19:7, very familiar passage, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony is sure, making wise the simple. As the psalmist looked back at the law, he saw these are things for my instruction. These are things that are helping me understand that God's ways are perfect. God's ideas for man. God has outlined them. And the law is useful for these things. Even in the book of Ezra, we, we read about Ezra. For Ezra, it says in chapter 7, had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it and to teach his statutes and ordinance is in Israel. I, I would say, you know, there is the man of the word. There is the man of, of scripture. But then we read later when there is the decree that comes down to Ezra uh, from King Artaxerxes. He says, and you, Ezra, according to the wisdom of your God, which is in your hand. You see, he, he even understood that, yeah, Ezra set his heart to study the law of the Lord, to practice it, and then to teach it. But he understood it was wisdom coming to him from God that Ezra had in his hand. 
And I think when I, when I look at Paul, I think we could probably put Paul in there. He had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it and to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. And I believe that he did. And I want to look at Paul as in, in, in three ways as how he handled the law as wisdom. I believe that Paul was the wisdom reader. That, that he read the Old Testament law as wisdom. Or we might say he is the wisdom interpreter. But hopefully we'll also see that Paul was the wisdom practitioner. That from that law he walked. That he didn't uh, come to believers and teach them, Thou shalt keep these things this way. But I believe that in his practice he went beyond the written law, beyond the letter, to the spirit and the practice of the law in a godly way. And then, of course, we know Paul as the wisdom teacher, but I want to end with very familiar passages of Paul teaching the law as wisdom. Again, in 1 Corinthians 10, he is instructing the Corinthian believers, and obviously here he is teaching them and admonishing them in moral and spiritual danger. We know something about the Corinthians, if you've read the book at all, the things that they were into, the, the factions and the, the disagreements that they were happening. And again, it reminds them, these things have happened as an example. They were written for our instruction. But what does he allude to here again? To, to the law, not as a legal code. He, he never goes back to the law as a legal code or commandment, but they were for warning and instruction. He, he, the tie in 1 Corinthians 10 is partly to Exodus 32, which we spoke of last week. It's the proof of Israel's idolatry in their attitudes and their practices that they performed just like their pagan neighbors. And he has the warning, and do not be adulterers as some of them were. And he ties us back into Exodus chapter 32 in verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 10. We see the, the murmuring here. We, we, we see the complaints. He ties us back into Numbers chapter 11. Now the people became like those who complain of adversity in the hearing of the Lord. He, he says, Moses says in Numbers chapter 11. The, the, the murmuring, the chatter, the, the weeping of the people as Numbers uh, 14 goes on to say. The people weeped because of what they wanted to have and return to Egypt. All of those things that they look back and said, man, we had it pretty good there, and now I'm out here in the wilderness. And Paul is warning them, do not be like them. In Romans chapter 15, we see further tie into the law as wisdom. In, I believe it's chapter 4 of Romans 15, Paul writes, Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not please ourselves, for even Christ did not please himself. And he quotes from Psalm 69, The reproaches of those who reproach thee fell upon me. Uh, speaking of Christ, bearing the reproaches of those who were reproached, by their fellow man, 
those reproaches fell on Christ. And now Paul follows that up by saying in Romans 15, For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. See, he ties us back into these things. Whatever was written. It's not limited to the Psalms. It's not limited to the prophets. It's, it's in the scriptures of the Old Testament. The things that were written were for our instruction. But again, also for our per perseverance, our encouragement, our living in wisdom. In 2 Corinthians, or 2 Timothy, excuse me, chapter 3, a verse that you're all very familiar with, but he's looking at the scriptures again, not limited to one section or one genre of scripture. The scriptures function as wisdom in reproof and correction, training. All scripture, he says, is inspired by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. There, there's the purpose that Paul has here. He's looking back and saying, these are to teach you, these are to train you, these are to reprove you that you may walk in a manner that completes your faith, that completes your understanding, and moves you on to righteousness and walking in every good work. But Paul was also a practitioner of these things. He didn't just say them. He, just, he didn't just uh, leave his training as a Hebrew of Hebrews, as a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a practitioner. And I'm just going to look at a few things here uh, that he touches on, but you can see immediately that they, they reach back into the Old Testament, into the law, into the things that are taught. How, how about tithing? Well, what does Paul say about the tithe? Well, there are a number of passages in which he speaks, but never does he instruct believers to, you must pay the tithe. You must bring a tenth of everything. But what does he say? Again, I think he goes beyond that, that which is written and to that which is given by the Spirit of the Lord. In 2 Corinthians 9, he says, Let each one do as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. He, he's looking at it and saying, you know, where is your heart? Where is your attitude? You see this not as a mechanical thing. You, you, you cannot see it as something that is, is kind of in a vacuum, that, that is just a, a checkbox or writing a check and depositing in the box. He's looking at the heart. What have you purposed in your heart? How about greed? Well, Paul sees greed as idolatry. He ties us back again into Deuteronomy 32, that, that poem of Moses where he tries to kind of summarize all of, all of the law in, in a way to teach the people, are you getting this? In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says, No immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Well, where does he get that? Well, in Deuteronomy 32, we, we see how Moses said, you know, look at, and he, he uses that Hebrew word, Jeshurun, meaning Israel. And he says, curds of cow and milk of the flock with fat of lambs and rams, with the finest of wheat. 
But Israel, Jeshurun, grew fat and kicked. Then he forsook God who made him and scorned the rock of his salvation. See, I think Paul ties us back into that, seeing, do you understand what happened to those people? Do you, do you see the warning here, the instruction to yourself? Watch yourself. What is in your heart? What is in, in your mind to do? How about stealing? Well, we read in Ephesians chapter 4, Let him who steals steal no longer, but rather let him labor performing with his own hands what is good, in order that he may have something to share with him who has need. He, he doesn't just stay with a, thou shalt not steal. And I know that the, the Ten Commandments are broader than that. If we read through Deuteronomy, we read through Numbers, you know, they are expounded for us. We, we see case studies, we see practical examples, but here Paul, again, he's carrying that same purpose uh, of God's word instructing, let him labor, let him work with his hands, let him do something, not only in order that he may have something for himself, but he may be equipped to share with others. And we could go on, but there's one that kind of wraps a lot of things, quoting directly from the scriptures in Romans 13. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Paul sees these sayings for wisdom for living, wisdom for life, how we get along with our fellow man, how we honor God. And so Paul, I believe, is the consummate teacher of wisdom. One of the theologians said that, in Paul's many appeals to the heart of the believers, he could be titled the theologian of the heart. In Romans chapter 8, he writes, And he who searches, meaning God, who searches the heart, knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. He, he searches the hearts in order that he may instruct us, and he may teach us, that he may intercede for us by the power of the Holy Spirit according to the will of God. In Romans chapter 2, which is, is not a chapter in which Paul is expounding the law as wisdom, and yet we see how he goes to the heart. He, he goes to what the expectation, I think, of God is. He speaks of the Gentiles and he says, the Gentiles show the work of the law written in their hearts, their consciences bearing witness and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. He, again, he, he, he's saying them, it, it's the work of the law written on the heart. It, that is where he would focus. That is where he would zero in. Even in his instructions through to Timothy for elders and deacons, he writes in chapter 3, uh, the deacons were, were to hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Again, the, the instruction, the, the mystery of, of pleasing God and walking with him and honoring him in life. He said, yes, that is what they are to hold on to. This is how they ought to walk. Paul's teaching often appealed to wisdom. Just in things that he would say as common sense. He, he appealed to the, the common sense of man. But he also appealed to their sense of shame, their sense of order and beauty, 
They're, they're a sense of, as we've already seen, a work ethic. But he also looks at customs. He also looks at that how men and women operate in society. Paul appealed to these, this wisdom by reaching back to his foundation in the law of Moses, I believe, in the laws, reading them, interpreting them as a practitioner of them, but also teaching his converts, his people, his congregations. In 2 Peter 3, we hear Peter talking about Paul in this manner. He says, Regard the patience of the Lord to be salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you. Peter saw it. Peter saw using God, Paul using the, the law, using the Torah as, as wisdom in how he lived his own life, but also how he taught others in regard to how the Lord worked with his people. In Romans chapter 16, he calls to the people of Rome, I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. The very practical application of the wisdom of the scriptures, but it's not based in just Paul's knowledge, but in his walking in the wisdom of scripture. In 1 Corinthians 3, he writes, Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become foolish that he may become wise. He's saying that the wisdom is not in man, but in the scriptures given by God. The things that were given to him as wisdom, he passes on to those to whom he preaches and writes. Ephesians 5, he says, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. See, he's lived his life that way. He has preached that way. He has taught that way. And he would have his hearers, his readers, be careful how you walk. Do you understand the instruction that has been given? Walk as wise men, not as unwise and why can he stand on that? Well, because he walks with Christ. Because his life was given to proclaiming Christ. Based on what he understood from the scriptures, the redemptive history that he read, and then he practiced and walked in, and then he taught. He writes to the Colossian believers, and we proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom that we may present every man complete in Christ. Let us pray. Our Father, we, we do ask that you would have us follow in these footsteps, that we would be readers of not just a select few verses or chapters of books of the New Testament, but of your scriptures that we might be a reader of the wisdom that is there given by you to tell us who you are and what you're like and how we ought to live. We pray that we might practice these things and we might walk in them as pleasing you and giving glory to your name. And we pray that we also would be teachers, that we'd be instructors, we would be those who would use the scriptures and use the wisdom you've given us to teach, to reprove, to train others 
in seeing and these things and walking in them for your glory and honor and the building up of your church, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Would you please rise for the benediction from Colossians chapter 3. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you and with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Amen.